0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And Baby. on the stack, we talk about a ton of books that come out this week. Let's take, let's kick it off talking about Doctor Strange number one from Marvel, written by Jed McKay, art by Pasquale Ferry, Andy McDonald, and Ian Herring. Doctor Strange, if you couldn't tell from the title, he's alive. He's back. He died for a while, but he's back now. It's all good. He didn't die for that long. Not that long, but he is back. He's hanging out with Clea, and a lot of this issue is reestablishing him in the Marvel universe, as well as what's going on with Wong and his agents of WAND, who are magic S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, essentially. So there's a lot of setup in this book, but Jed McKay, reliable writer, Justin, I know you're a big fan. So how did you feel uh, about yeah, Justin, this return you're a big fan. of Stephen Strange?
1: Well, I am a huge Jed McKay fan. All the um, the black cat stuff that uh, Jed's been doing over the past, past few years. I also love Pasquale Ferry on art. I feel like this is a great combination. Oh, nice. Gives Doc Strange a nice, clean, new look. Uh, I think it's funny that both Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange are sort of like, we're open for business, just walk through this door that's slightly more magical than this other door. Uh, but that's, hey, that's fun. It's still a good premise. I like the sort of we get to see Doctor Strange's week. The tone is, is a little fun. Doctor Strange has a good sense of humor, which I like. There's some relationship stuff, some larger stuff. I'm super excited for this run. It's a great jumping on point for some great strange, strange.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, the thing is we had this magical tripped out Dr. Strange. uh <laughs> Yeah. We had this magical tripped out Dr. Strange story before this. And so this isn't as like amazing or as uh, like uh, visually entertaining as that was. Although the art on this is r- super tight bananas. It's just a little different. We came from this like, really kind of stylized, interesting, unique look. Oh, this you're very... you're talking about the Doctor Strange Fall
0: Sunrise, which is- an, You're goddamn yes. right I am, yes. A different book, not in this
2: continuity. It's not telling the yes. same oh, story. Oh, it's still Doctor Strange book, so shut the fuck up then.
0: Sure, it's but it doesn't take place in the correct order. That is something that takes place earlier in the timeline.
1: Okay. But I mean, I, I get it. Pete, you really liked that book because it was super trippy. This is definitely more like sort of mainstream, great, super heroic Doctor Strange stuff. So it's a slightly yeah. different flavor, but it takes a lot of flavors to make a, the great stew that is our stack.
2: <laughs> yeah, I hear you. It's just when you're the you weekly stew. Yeah, it's just when you're, you know, you really love something and then they change it a little bit. You know, you can have some feelings about it. It's okay. Well,
1: that's like being mad if, um, like, say the fall sunrise was setting and you were like, No, the sun's gone. What do we do? It's dark. <laughs> that's, I and yell at the I, sun every night when it goes down. I know. Honestly, we're very, very worried about you.
0: Yeah. It's a little more like if there were two unrelated sunrises and you were like, What the fuck? There's this sunrise <laughs> over here and it doesn't connect to this sunrise.
1: Uh-huh. This sucks. Good thing Pete didn't grow up on Tatooine. (laughs) Here's my
0: one qualm uh, about this book: is I really liked it. Well, no, no, no. I I thought the art was really good. I thought the writing was really good. But I spent a lot. uh, I'm going to agree with Pete now. I spent a lot of the time of this book being like, "What's the take, though? We've seen this before. Uh, This it felt like an extension, in particular, of Donnie Kate's run to me, Uh, but." Three-quarters of the way through the book, some stuff starts to happen that really changes up the situation, throws in a mystery, throws in some riffs, and I'm glad they got to that point because I was enjoying it, I liked it as a Doctor Strange book, but with a number one, I want to take as strong as Scarlet Witch that feels like something that is wholly new that I'm reading.
2: Well, Justin, let me this episode. wait, wait, before you just, Justin, let's just sit in this moment a little bit, you know? No, Alex what? agrees what? with me, and he disagrees with you. This is just, let's just it's, sit here it's, for it's, a little bit longer. Oh, it's nice.
1: It's very funny that a moment ago we were like, isn't it crazy how Pete screams at the sun? And Alex immediately <laughs> was like, yes, and I agree with this madman. <laughs> so I feel like I'm sitting pretty and then non screaming at the nighttime.
2: The guy... Uh,
1: but let me just respond, like, because what I love about Jed McKay's writing in particular is the characterization, like the Black Cat book that he just yeah, ran for yeah. years on wasn't like super premise heavy, but it was just like great storytelling from a plot narrative point of view and great character work in in each issue, in each panel. And so like, that's what I'm looking forward to here. Something where so many comics are like big premise and then it, that's sort of the whole engine and jed mckay is specifically good at the opposite of that so i'm here for that
0: well let's talk about another character driven book batman one bad day rachel ghoul number one from dc comics written by tom taylor art by ivan rice like the rest of these books, this is exploring one of Batman's villains. This is, I felt, a surprisingly more traditional Ra's al Ghul tale, talking about the Lazarus pits, talking about the environment and man's destruction of it. You can get a classic shirt off, Batman sword fight with Ra's mm. al Ghul going on here, very reminiscent of the Neil Adams stuff back in the day. Yeah.
1: what the think Batman about animated series. Batman stuff. animated yeah, series. Exactly. What would you guys think
0: about this one?
2: this uh I, I continue to love these uh, one bad day stories they're really fun they make some big choices. I think this was a very interesting take on someone who's been around for a while you know and I I just thought it was uh, yeah very unique and cool and they had amazing covers for this I just uh, think the art was super type bananas and I've been loving these uh, these collection of stories
1: here this is just really cool. I agree, Ivan's R is great here. Really good matchup. Again, this is not a bad day. This is actually a great day. Raish has a great day in this book. Yeah, so, but when
2: he's having a great day, we're having a bad day.
1: That depends no, on you I taking think, the plot. Here's well, what I if take I'm because one of the even,
2: twenty-seven people killed, yeah, I'm gonna say it's a bad day.
1: Oh, in this in the DC universe, you're a a evil multi billionaire. No, that's what you're saying. Day, Pete? The bad day is his dog
0: dies, right? Like I know that sounds like a joke but Wake. that's that's legitimately what happens is this wolf or dog or whatever that he has yeah, raised for long time. Yeah, it's a fucking really wolf time. man. It's not just a regular dog. Oh ooh, it's a wolf man. Right. Yeah.
1: A wolf, a man a wolf is just a d- I don't know. <laughs> a wolf is just a dog who's having one bad day. <laughs> one right? bad day, a wolf. I My dogs a one bad day away from straight up killing
2: Oh man, don't, don't do, talk shit about Pip. Cause Pip don't Pun- slip, bro. Punisher
0: has a, a dog and a wolf chained up on a roof on a chimney, and he's like, You two, you're one bad day away Which from one you do you feed? Job. Which <laughs> one do you feed? Exactly. We have a bunch uh, of things going on here lots of metaphors and some posters and t shirts on
1: the Punisher. <laughs> Anyway, this is a good and, and in that, in those moments, that's when I, the Punisher, was carrying you down the beach. <laughs> that's those footprints. That's why, that's footprints. That's why there. That's why there's boot prints on that that's beach, right. bro. <laughs> and when I looked down, I saw a
0: line of bullets. And that's what I knew. I was shooting you.
1: <laughs> I was shooting the ground and hovering a little bit. I was shooting so many bullets. Sort of like that's what up I A little known. bit. It wasn't flying necessarily, but I do I that now. by my own petard. What I was going to say about this—oh, what what, were you, you going to say something about this book, or did you want to? No, I, I actually like this story. I thought this is a okay. good book. Uh, the moral complication of it, I thought, was really cool. Uh, really, like this—if you're a Damian Wayne fan, not that he's in this a ton, also, but it's sort Batman... of like the Tis two poles. Batman kind of loses in this issue It's a rare loss for Batman He has one bad day, I'll tell you that much Yeah. Mm. Now, guys, are you get access to Lazarus Pit You jump in there every couple uh weeks? I was thinking about that while I was reading it
2: And 100% definitely Yeah, uh, Justin, if you're going to be there Every time I come out to tell me everything's going to be okay It just seems like it'll be worth
1: I'll it I'll be there, I'll <laughs> be in the pool with you We'll have our bathing suits on, <laughs> a beach ball Hey <laughs> Pete, jump in the last pit Let's heal up a little bit. What's the what's the weakest like what's the uh least sick you'd be to jump like you got a sniffle you're like i gotta dump <laughs> dump it it to dump in this floor I'll tell you Stub what, your toe. earlier
0: today and this is a true Paper story cot. I got locked in the bathroom for 15 minutes down here in my basement. 100% <laughs> if there was a Lazarus pit outside I'd be like oh, but, I'm,
2: I'm getting that. Wow. Just jump in the Wait. Lazarus
0: toilet that you have.
2: <laughs> Wait cuz you had 15 <laughs> minutes of inconvenience you're just oh going to kill God. yourself
0: I was going nuts, man. <laughs> I almost tore the door down. I literally physically ripped the door handle off of the All door. All right, She-Hulk. So
1: and that's what locked
0: you in? Uh, no, or you yeah. later? It's a whole story. I don't want to get into it. We're it only like we're only two, like a, two, it two one titles your kids, it. like, lock you while you were in there? No, nobody else was home, and my phone was outside the bathroom.
1: So there it is. <laughs> that's the real thing. And I
0: was going feral. I was, I was like, yeah. yeah. There, were, there was a wolf and a dog inside of me, and they were one bad day away from becoming each other. Can we move on to the next book, <laughs> The Neighbors, number one, from Boob Studios, written by Jude Ellison S. Doyle, art by Letizia Catanici. This is perfect for fans of James Tynan's work in particular. Mm. It's very reminiscent of Something is Killing the Children in terms of the art style. It's also very reminiscent of The Closet in terms of the content of the book. Uh. This is about a family that moves to a new neighborhood where all the neighbors, super weird, super terrifying, horrible things are going on. There's some interesting stuff going on in terms of how trans issues affect a family because one of the partners in a marriage, they're moving presumably because one of them came out as trans. It's affecting the kids in different ways. It, the horror ramps up very quickly over the course of this issue. I love the art style. Like I said, if you're a fan of either of those books, I think you're really going to dig this one as well.
1: Yeah, the tone you're spot on. This is a very James Tynan style book, uh, down to the great sort of uh, twist. I guess uh, at the end, there's a sort of a double twist where it's the there's a, something happens and then there's a uh, a Arruia. couple words that are used yeah. that really twist it twisted again, and I thought that was really well done. Art is great. The The way that the panels, the arts goes into like sort of details uh, on hands and snakes and stuff. Just really nice horror, uh, cinematic horror stuff here.
2: Yeah, when I read this and I got to the end, I was like, nope, no, this is too fucking scary. This is scary as fuck no fucking way. This is, uh, I
1: that's why you got jumped in the Lazarus kiddie pool out in front of your house. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: I was like, no fucking way. This is too scary. And it's great. It's a great kind of scary. That's very impressive, but I could not deal with it. It was, uh, I'm, uh, it's I'm definitely a
0: legitimately up. scary book. And I thought of yeah. you, Pete, while I was reading it, because I knew that was going to be your reaction. It's a little t- too much for you. So, And I don't mean this dismissively, if you are a scaredy cat like Pete, this is not the book for you, but for everybody else. Great stuff. Very excited to read more. Scaredy
1: kitty. I said, anytime I read a comic book that's too scary for Pete, I send him an edible arrangement.
2: (laughs) thanks, man. I wish that was true. Punisher number 10 for Marvel,
0: written by Jason Aaron, art by Jesus Saez and Paul as a Seda. The Punisher is continuing to rise or fall, depending on how you look at it, to become the Ooh. avatar of the beast. Meanwhile, Maria, his wife, who's back to life, is finding out a lot more about what's going on in the background. Maria,
2: Pete, His wife. Pete,
0: take it away. <laughs> other than the singing,
2: please. Uh, just I, I, this is just going so hard and is so much fun such a there's so many amazing badass moments also the Avengers having like the worst bad timing awards for showing up as soon as the Punisher goes I'm quitting I'm done uh I was like what now you guys show up after he's like fucking done uh but uh it should be interesting to see where it goes from there I just I the where they were like, it's a bad day if you're one of the worst people in the world. It was just great. I just started clapping. I was having so much fun with this book. It's really interesting. Also, uh, we're getting to know the Punisher a lot in this, as well as his wife and their connection and all of that. It's very interesting. This is very cool. Uh, I'm, I'm just having a blast. Thank you, Jason Aaron. Thank you.
1: Uh, I love the way the art style switched from the present uh, sort of uh, scarier, grittier story. or it's, no, it's actually less gritty, I feel like, the more uh, darker reds and blacks of the present day and the flashbacks, which are grainier and whatnot, uh, looking at the Punisher's past. Very cool. And this is actually secretly – the Punisher isn't – we're talking about him, but we're not really riding with him. This is really a Maria story, and we're really getting to see her and her take. And I love the way that she sort of – likes frank's descent into becoming the punisher as we're learning and she's actually more like him than i think we've ever thought a character that was only ever murdered and (laughs) never explored so to actually do that in such an interesting way i think is excellent and i gotta say to have like cap black widow wolverine dr strange and moon knight show up and be like hey let's get the gun guy he's being a dick and this and the Punisher is more super jacked, overpowered than ever. They're gonna murder these dude. Moon Knight is oh, it's done. Especially is series is <laughs> mediocre. Get him out. He's dead. Yeah, good. Great first stuff. off,
2: don't just throw say things as series is mediocre. F- fuck you for bringing that up. Okay, do so you want the Moon Knight to kill Punisher? No, I'm just saying you don't have to bring that up. That's not relevant. I like how every
0: issue you bring up a new matchup for Pete to hurt his feelings. Not <laughs> <laughs>
1: trying to. I don't know. kinda hurt his feelings. No, you're, you're just gonna. I'm not trying yeah. to Okay, You're God, oh, Pete. Pete,
0: you. you really want the Punisher to kill your mom? That's what, <laughs> what? you want, Pete. <laughs> nope. Your mom is gonna show up next issue, and uh, I guess you want your mom to kill the Punisher, or vice versa. You're gonna have to make a decision. That's gonna be milestone. A- <laughs> 30th. Now he's being mean. <laughs> <laughs> Me. I'm being mean. Milestone, 30th anniversary special number one from DC Comics, written by Evan Narcisse, Nicholas Draper-Ivy, Stephanie Williams, and Jeffrey Thorne. Art by Adagan Ilhan. Chris Cross, Nicholas Draper-Ivy, Yasmin Flores-Montinez, and Sean Damian Hill. This is exactly what it sounds like, a series of stories that loop into various points in the milestone history, some that have existed, some that have never existed, that they're teasing things going forward. A lot of it all hooked around Static in particular. Pete, I know you're the big milestone fan on the podcast. What did you think about this?
2: This was awesome. First off, amazing covers, just really such a cool collection of stories. Uh, Dexter Vines is killing it. I love the Mm. feel of the art. Uh, It has this kind of like up 80s feel, uh, but it's updated a little bit more. I also really love the Batman Beyond and static story that we got in this. This was such a cool. uh, I just feel like this is such such a great collection of comics and had such a not only interesting story, but an artistic story to tell.
1: Yeah, agree. Great variety in the stories, but that Static Beyond story I thought was so good. Yeah. Definitely a fave, and the art that really stuck to the Batman Beyond stuff, but really brought Static in, I thought was super cool. It really yeah, worked.
0: I, I agree. Just speaking as not a Milestone fan, the first story is very much like Crisis on Infinite Milestone Earth, yeah. and bringing them yep. all together. Yep. That was a very deep dive for me, somebody who doesn't know much about the Milestone stuff. So I was a little worried that the rest of the book was going to be like that, just like for hardcore fans only. But it's not. Like we're saying, the rest of the stories are very fun, very accessible, and with some great art throughout. So it's a good collection. And this is such a little thing, but just structurally, DC doesn't do this enough. They do this for the Milestone books. They have title pages between everything yeah. where they give the credits of everybody and they give a little bit of a recap. And I appreciate that so much. We read so many comics to just have that little bit of, oh, OK, this is what this is about. And then go into it. I thought it was phenomenal. Really-
1: yeah, it's great.
0: Dead Romans, number one from Image Comics, written by Fred Kennedy, art by Nick Marinkov. And do you think this has something to do with Dead Kennedys? Because you got Dead Romans and Fred Kennedy. I feel like there's a no, connection there.
2: Stop.
1: Yeah, strong. I mean, musically,
2: sweet shout out. But other than that, you go fuck yourself.
1: Yeah, that's your <laughs> conspiracy theory. Wow, wow, you're a real, real F-bob dropper. In this
0: episode, Pete. What did you think about this book?
2: Uh, well, I, I think it's worth it for the art alone. I mean, you got some amazing colors, shapes. Love the
1: blocking. <laughs> so the blockiness. many shapes. Oh my god! Honestly, most words. of this, most <laughs> no, no, of no. this comic is shapes.
2: Hey, no, fuck yourself. Because they do like this interesting thing where it's like uh, people become like more blocky in the background and different stuff. And I think it's a cool stylized choice that works really well.
1: I have a question for you, Pete. When you say it's worth it for the art alone, does that mean, and this is a very real question, does that mean you didn't like the story for real or you didn't connect as much with that?
2: Well no, it means uh, different things for different uh stories. For this, I was just so impressed with the artwork because we see so many comic book and a lot of superhero kind of driven stuff. So to see characters that were blockier and and different shapes uh and, and like different colors kind of spurting out, it really makes a huge difference and someone who's reading a lot of similar stuff, it really sticks out. So I, yeah, I just really wanted to tip my hat to it and say, so when it reads a lot of comics, when you get something that's new and exciting, it, it makes it just so much more refreshing and nicer to add to your kind of pull list, you know?
1: Great. And follow up question. When you say super tight bananas, does that mean you're being held hostage and that's a cry <laughs> for help? Where you're like, please come rescue me.
2: No, <laughs> because I'm no, trapped just, here. I'm just uh, so impressed with the art. It's just, well, super I'm going to
0: agree with Pete again. I do think the art was very good in this book to give you a little sense of the story. It is about a general, I guess, the Roman army who is in love with a slave. He keeps promising her that maybe she's going to be his queen someday if he ever becomes king. Of course, they get attacked. They get thrown apart. She's left alone. Presumably, the story is going to be her growing up to be a badass and fighting her way back to him or something like that while he fights his way back to her. I did feel like the writing was a little convoluted in this first issue. Yes. Yeah,
1: I think it was It was just, it lacked a little clarity of what was happening, I feel like, especially um, in the beginning. But I do like the sort of uh, plot that they've laid out. Like, I think it is interesting. I, I would like to see both of them, uh, our general sort of dealing with the bureaucracy of his fight, in because they're in like Europe, basically, uh, to, up in Germany, what would be, later become Germany, out of their normal area. So it has the opportunity to go in a lot of different directions. Uh, and so I'm down to keep reading this.
0: Yeah, same. Definitely want to check out a second issue now that they've set up the situation. Let's talk about She-Hulk, number 11 from oh Marvel, boy. written by Here Rainbow Rowell, art by Andres Genilet. And this is a big-time ship oh. issue for She-Hulk and oh. Jack of Hearts. They can't really touch anymore because Jack of Hearts is now radioactive again. She-Hulk still really wants to be with him. Jack of Hearts is clearly stepping back.
2: We've talked it's about heartbreaking. this before. This is heartbreaking. I, the two of them yeah. together are just magic. And to see uh, this awkward kind of dinner that doesn't work and has us as well as them questioning their relationship is heartbreaking. And then some fucking new guy comes in. Uh, just all fucking. Some cool.
0: sexy gentleman thief comes in who yeah. I think is. is going to present another option for she-hulk or I'm, I'm worried about it
2: because i'm shipping this other relationship but now this new guy shows up and he's throwing off his mask and he doesn't care and uh, oh man and
1: you saw him throw his mask off so you were like that guy's good looking that's a problem that's what you mm-hmm. thought right Pete? as a rom-com expert like legit legit you're a rom-com expert you watch more rom-coms than anyone i know yeah,
2: yeah, that's a sign when it's like a, uh, something gone to Ray and all of a sudden two people who maybe shouldn't be connecting all of a sudden are connecting and looking to each other's eyes.
1: Uh, you got It's dangerous. I, I mean, Jack said, I'll save you some garlic bread and that would be enough to have me coming home to him.
2: <laughs> You're like, goddamn right, buddy. I yeah, love you. that. I love the love fact,
0: that. and this hasn't been necessarily every issue because we had some big Hulk fights going on previously, uh, I think an issue or two back, but when is the last time or ever we've gotten a pure romance comic from Marvel the entire yeah. time we've been yeah. talking about comics love this love I also this love
1: I Even when they... they launched their romance comics like line, it was all a bunch of like fucked up stuff that kept <laughs> happening. It was like, oh, okay, not what I, not what you sold me. So it yeah. is really nice. And also, the front half of this book is like a superhero fight club, which is fun. Great character choices. Volcana, character we don't ever really see much of. Like this is all fun, and then you get into the real plucking the heartstrings, right, Pete? What's What's great about it, is
2: She Hulk is she is such a great character. Uh, there's all this great kind of violence and action you can do with her, but also the small moments with her are just so powerful and you feel them. Uh, I just, I feel like there's such a great range with her and I think they're using her in a great way, especially in this title and it's heartbreaking. The the most kind of heartfelt stuff are just these small moments in this horrible date and you, you just really feel it, man. Yeah. I just want to give a quick shout out. If you are enjoying this book,
0: last night I read, and this is an older book, but a book called Pumpkin Heads, which is a graphic novel by Rainbow Rowell with art by Faith Aaron Hicks. Have you read it, Pete? Yeah, holy shit. Yeah, it's a blast from the past. So good. It is about two people who work at basically like the Disneyland of pumpkin patches, and It's their last night working there. They've been the MVPs working there for several years. And the guy has always been in love with this girl who he doesn't know the name of, who works at the Fudge Place across the way from their place. They work at the Succotash Place. So it's very silly and very over the top. And so they make it their mission to try to track her down so he can tell her how he feels about her over the course of the night. You can kind of figure out how things are going just based on that situation. But it's so fun. It's so charming. Again, if you're... Enjoying She Hulk, you're enjoying Rainbow Rowell's work on it. Highly recommend checking it out. It was such a delight. Let's move on to talk about what I know is one of Pete's favorite issues of the week: DC's Legion of Bloom, number one from DC yeah, Comics, written by Ashley Allen, Kenny Porter, Zach Thompson, Calvin Kasulke Julia Anta, Gavin Scott, Travis Moore, and David Wildgoss. Art by Isaac Goodhart, Brian Level, Hayden Sherman, Vitter Kafagi, Alan Pasalacqua, Adagun Ilhan, Travis Moore, and Riley Rosmo. This is a collection of stories kicking off spring in the DC Universe. Pete, ah. why Come did this on. one hit for you so hard on this first day of spring as we are taping it? Well, first off, like...
2: The Riley Rosmo Superman stuff was just,
1: oh, wow. hard agree, hard oh agree, my God. really great.
2: I uh, get you, in the feels, uh, just some amazing, amazing stuff. It, it just looks so cool, and you kind of really feel the emotions with the character. I, I think they did such a great job, but also, like the most adorable Captain Carrot like I, I couldn't believe that story It was so cute it took me so by surprise I was like Captain Carrot all right here we go what are we gonna do here but I thought it was such a fun choice also the Blue Beetle the the Swamp Thing stuff was great then Dove, I I had such a uh, such a great time. The Poison Ivy story, where she's just hanging out in a flower shop doing good for people. Oh, I just I felt like they did such a good job of like having this cool theme and bringing in this collection of stories. Art, uh, of course, was super tight bananas across the board. A lot of really fun choices being made. I, I just feel like this is a smart idea because it's like. Taking great stories, putting them with great artists, and just letting them run in such a creative, cool way. It's a
1: blast. Spring is here. Uh, I liked a lot of those stories as well, especially the Superman one, the Swamp Thing one I enjoyed. But uh, the one you didn't shout out that I really liked was the Batman story, the second story, by Zach Thompson and Hayden Sherman, which had sort of a scary horror element. Great last last panel, I thought. Uh, But a lot of fun in these pages
0: Order and Outrage number one from Dark Horse Comics written by Jim Starlin art by Rags Morales this is a book that takes place I believe in space and things happen in a non-sequential order throughout the book what did you guys think about this one?
1: Hmm
0: well Alex what did you think about this one? Feels- oh that's a great question my main thought is I'd love to hear what you guys thought
2: Oh ah, interesting. because nice. my a main classic thought volley. I was wondering about uh,
0: what you thought <laughs> Yeah. Uh, This is incomprehensible nonsense that is beautifully (laughs) drawn by Rags Morales. I'm sorry. I love Jim Starlin like on an individual basis. If you look at this page by page, if I saw this in a museum, I'd be like, cool. These are some wild space pages by Jim Starlin who knows how to write this stuff. But every page, and maybe this is the point, and maybe I'm mentioning it, he keeps jumping from scenes where it's like, This is one of my favorite things anyway, but going like, then, now, because that's so nonspecific in terms of a time period, just like say when we're going to. And it's right. fine or indicated visually because we're reading a comic book. But he keeps changing up the words throughout
1: the book. Sometimes it's, like, it's before.
0: Yeah. Then, now, before, after, here, there, far, near.
1: Everywhere. Big, everywhere,
0: small. Here's a cock and balls. I, I didn't know what was going on. And maybe you guys knew. <laughs> yes, there is a cock and balls in the book. Thank you for bringing That's that up.
1: That's not a, anything to be mad about. That happens. Cock that what (laughs) that is how i tell that's how i I always go into something wanting to
0: like something and this one i came out completely flummoxed did you guys feel Mm -hmm. differently is is, how'd you feel about it
1: i I don't i think i felt as flummoxed as you as you if anything for me it was just like this book is moving so fast it felt like they had to be written in a hurry or something but the art is so meticulously done so you were
2: saying it's like too fast
1: maybe too us. Uh, excuse me uh, i do think it you is You said
0: that as if that was a pun and it's not <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is outrage it's this order and outrage more like out of order and outrage Ooh, right guys
2: uh, you there.
1: the and there are some of the the little vignettes that i feel like oh this is interesting like the one that pete was mentioning at the end with these two characters in bed like i this scene is interesting but like to Alex's point it's hard to tell scared
2: for her life
1: Yeah, I'm curious what it means. It's hard to tell how this scene connects with a lot of the stuff that came before and sort of what it's amounting to. And it did feel like we were like, all right, we got to keep going. It's like, why are you in such a rush? and,
0: And one of the things is that like Rax Morales is, like you were saying, such a detailed artist who it draws in this very DC classic superhero style. If it was something that was supposed to be avant-garde, throwing you into these different situations through these different time periods, then it's not clear how you exactly connect. You need a different artist for that. It needs to be something that breaks apart the art and down into its component pieces the same way the storytelling is doing. Otherwise, it
1: doesn't necessarily make sense. Or even multiple artists or multiple styles of art crafts. Yeah,
2: I just it was jumping around a lot. It was hard to um, once I kind of got the idea of something, it was on to something else. So I just think that like. There's a lot of great ideas. I'm looking forward to maybe another issue, too, when maybe it's found a pacing or something, uh, you know, kind of picking back up with it. Wasp, number three from Marvel, written by Al Ewing, art by Kazuya ni nee.
0: It's funny that we're following up the last issue with this one because this Agreed. is the most broken apart issue of Wasp. They are two wasps have been taken over by old enemies who are controlling their minds and breaking them out into different time periods and realities, though it probably exists just in their mind. Uh, I've been very into the series, but this is another one that I had a hard time holding on to. Justin?
1: Agree. Oh, I really like Al Ewing, and especially this felt like almost uh, a companion book to the Ant-Man series that we all liked uh, earlier that Al Ewing also mm-hmm. wrote. And this book, I feel I'm, it's so hard to follow, and I don't know really what the point is. I feel like it's a lot of characters like, oh, they are both wasps. They, they're they they're mad at these other characters for very particular reasons. It feels like there's some avenging that needs to happen. But I, I, it doesn't ever sort of come together why and what they're doing. And it feels like none of the characters have control of the situation. Even the villain feels like he's like, ha, come get uh, me, maybe.
2: I, uh, I really like the creature design and the art. I think it's very cool and unique. Uh, I felt like this was very fast paced, which I think also made it kind of a little bit hard to kind of roll with. But uh, yeah, I thought it was very interesting and uh, kind of sucked me in in a way that I was like, maybe I'm not sure happening now, but I'm definitely going to kind of check back later.
0: This was very similar to me to Al Ewing's Defenders work in terms of breaking down reality. And it contrasted with the first two issues, which were pretty straightforward. I'm still curious to check out the last one because I like what they're doing with the series. And Cassidy's art is really gorgeous with the character designs, like Pete was saying. But this one was a hard one to hold on to. Nightwing one oh two from DC Comics written by Tom oh, Taylor and C. S. Picot, art by Travis Moore and Eduardo Pensica. In this issue, Nightwing has been captured by the smiling man, a new villain
1: oh who is
2: coming God. after this little girl. Freaking who, me the fuck
0: out. The goal of Neron. Neron, I think.
1: I say Neron, but Neron. I don't
0: know. Okay. It's one of those Magneto Magneto guys, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, he is coming after Nightwing, and Raven wants to go after him. Um, we've been loving this book. Do we continue to love it?
1: Real quick, because I yes. feel like we talk about Nightwing a lot. We all love Nightwing. Every issue is very good. On the count of three, let's say whether it's Magneto or Magneto. Ready? One, two, three. Magneto. Magneto. Right, that's all. us. Okay, Thanos or Thanos? Ready? One, two, three. Thanos. Thanos. Thanos.
2: You, say, See, it you say it wrong every <laughs> time. you say
1: it wrong. Why do you tell me I'm wrong? We You're can say wrong. It wrong. what did they say in the movies that we watched? Different continuity. The comic no. book continuity may have a strong okay. A. <laughs> uh this Dark this Side guy. or Dark Seed? It's dark side, you fucker. People I do I,
2: I actually use both. <laughs> it's not oh, Dark okay. Seed. It's dark yeah. side. It's dark side. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so this co- Nightwing—it's comic- also
1: Magneto. So
2: <laughs> oh, this Nightwing comic is so is really great. I, I'm just—I don't know what it is about somebody who's smiling when they're doing horrible things that creeps me the fuck out. The smiley yeah. guy was really giving me a lot of stress. So the kind of like the fact that we, you know, caught him stop. Both of you, stop smiling. Uh, The fact that we caught him uh, really just kind of like is just such a relief. It was uh, uh, such a huge, huge, uh, happy relief. And uh, I feel great about it. And I'm having a blast with this comic. Uh,
1: Great review great this they really snuck uh, this teen titans book into the underneath the nightwing cover it's uh, weird to
0: me that they're doing a titans book because that's what this yeah. is
1: this is a full-on titans book No, and like i'm not i don't mean to be super negative in that way but i'm Why just surprised well i'm not mad per se like i i ride for tom taylor it, it's a good nightwing or it's a good titans book but the nightwing stuff i've been really enjoying so as long as we keep getting that and keep exploring that that's cool but this is truly just like an action titans story and then we have a backup that is like a, a sort of a mystery it's like story. if
0: you went to the deli and you're like hey can i get a turkey sub and they're like yep no problem and you got the turkey sub and then it was turkey and roast beef and salami with a little prosciutto oh, so it. they added some nice right? stuff
1: and to you're yeah. like yeah, they this upgraded is good
0: it. and i like this but that's not what i ordered
1: yeah, I ordered one Titan and you gave me all of the great meat Titans that you have in your little <laughs> bin there. Yeah.
0: Blue Book, um, number two, from Dark like Horse, sandwich. written by James the Fourth and Michael Avon Oming, art by Michael Avon
2: Oming. In this book, we're we, following... What? Can we talk more about sandwiches with each comic? You know, like each time we review a comic, we talk about a different sandwich? Was that Absolutely. One? This is like a right. fucked up, inside out sandwich that's gonna fuck you up.
1: Well, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what if you went to the deli and they put turkey on the outside and a piece (laughs) of bread in the middle?
0: That's blue book number two. Anyway, this book is following two stories. We are getting a story of a couple who was kidnapped by aliens and following them in the 1950s, I believe. And then the backup stories are quote-unquote true stories of alien abduction or meeting with others. In this case, it's some green people who are probably fairies. The backup story is entirely me, Michael Avon Oming telling it. Amazing package. I love this book.
1: Another just great, super confidently written book by James Tynan. Like, it's so good. Uh, it's mysterious. It's There's t- attention underlying it. Interesting time period. Interesting focus. It's like exploring just straight-up classic alien uh, alien arrival stories. Michael Avon-Oming's art is really good. It's so spare, which is very much his style, and it really matches with our front story. It's great across the board.
2: Yeah, I really agree. JT4 is killing it. Also, the art – i can't lose. The art does such a great job of capturing these moments, and these kind of like still moments uh, are so – The tension is so great in kind of these UFO encounter situations. Uh, It's just such a great team on this book. It's very interesting. It's unique. Um, Yeah, I mean, if you're not into UFO shit, then you probably won't like this. But other than that, it's, it's really solid.
0: This also, I'll mention, feels like an extension of Department of Truth, even though it's a different Mm, series. Interesting. And this is top-tier Michael Avon Oming. He is just killing it on this book. The backup story looks like an illuminated manuscript come to Mm. life, and it is gorgeous. I as much as I like the front story, this year, this one, the backup story, was the was the top-tier one for me. So Great stuff. Definitely pick up this book. Undiscovered Country, number 24, for Image Comics written by Scott Snyder and Charles Sell. Art by Giuseppe Cavancoli and Leonardo Marcello Grassi. We're finally finishing the time travel story that has been going on and moving on to the next zone of America towards the end of this issue, as well as corn. a big twist, that giant corn, the giant corn zone, yeah, uh, we as well so. as a big twist that's going to change everything about the book, potentially. What'd you think about this one?
2: I mean, this, this continues. Book, to, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: It's just why everything about it is wild. It's like similar types of adventure, uh, but all the details are different. The characters are still just fighting their way through. Like, we got to get to the next zone. I was like, do you? You think the next one's going to be better? The corn's yeah. too big. The corn is too big in that zone. What if that corn starts popping with global or, warming being what it is, perhaps in this world? I mean, Obviously, when out. you
2: see giant corn, you got to think, okay, there's going to be a giant monster who eats this giant
1: corn because why else would it need to be this big? See, I thought giant butter huh. and hopefully big salt yeah. and then, like, some of those little corn holders that so you can don't have to get your listen, hands on. I'm not, salt here, man yeah, I'm not here for your big salt
2: fucking, uh, you know, takes, all right? I know you're don't? You don't, salt.
1: You don't right, put salt in your corn? You don't put salt in your corn?
2: Butter, bro. Uh, butter. Oh, can, I give you, can
0: I give you a man. hot tip about corn? Here's what you want to do, right? Take the butter, you mash it with salt and pepper, right? So you make like a compound butter there. Uh, if you want to put some herbs or whatever in there, you could probably do that as We're well. We're not but
2: here. This is not like now. This is important. No, salad. we do it's this. We do you this. Understand
0: this. My kids don't like the herbs, so I usually just do it butter, salt, and pepper. Take it, rub it all over the corn, wrap it in tin foil, and then cook it ideally on the grill for like 20 minutes. Rotated halfway. 20. No, I know. So, like, it really soaks time. in there in the butter. So good.
1: Anyways. Wow. Uh, no, this... at, Pete, before you don't, we all have a recipe to say on this episode. So, like, <laughs> Alex is doing his. We talked about this. We were all we going like, to have to He, he got recipe. giant corn. We he got that. giant <laughs> corn. And you're doing uh, a swamp thing green hell salad. And I can't wait. I can't wait. And I'm doing. Uh, Yeah, what are you Uh, doing? I do. Great question. What are you
2: doing? Dab them cheese balls. Dab them cheese balls is what you do. Dab them cheese balls. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Charles Soule is an amazing writer. These continue to be super creative and and, and impressive. Uh, I mean, the one guy's riding a Transformers, like Shockwave. Uh, I was like, oh, that is fucking really cool. Uh, This is just continues to be super creative, very enjoyable. Each comic is a fucking crazy adventure and uh, i've been eating him
1: up and just like giant Corny. uh each um what year do you think we're gonna have real transformers because this is set in the future Pete,
2: uh i'm gonna say uh 2070
1: oh wow, wow. much further. I, I feel I like maybe it. we won't live that long <laughs> <laughs> That you were gonna put a year that you were gonna see <laughs> no
2: no i'm gonna come back as a fucking decepticon and wreak havoc Wow.
1: Wow. <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man
0: number 22 for Marvel, written by Zeb Wells, art by John Romita Jr. Was- We're finally getting into the arc, finding out what has happened to Mary Jane and Spider-Man. Turned out what happened is they got sucked into an alternate dimension, wow. which is run by totems, where a evil god being is trying to kill Spider-Man to unravel the web of life. Leads. Almost directly into the place where we found Spider-Man, I think, at the beginning of Amazing Spider-Man number one. Justin, I know you were very excited about this, so take it away.
1: I mean, we had this big swing where Spider-Man and Mary Jane not getting along. Mary Jane has a a kid and uh, with another guy, and we're like, six months. How did that happen? Like, truly, how did that physically happen? A and B. Like, what's the deal? It's so like I w- it was a big mystery that has been just hanging in the air for quite some time. And this issue, to get into some spoilers, like a, a heartbreaking moment where uh, Mary Jane, Peter Parker, Spider-Man is the one who is sort of under threat here. And so he's trying to save Mary Jane, get her back to their Earth. And instead, she flips it and he lets him escape so that he isn't immediately killed they love each other they're both trying to sacrifice for each other and because of that because and time works differently in this dimension like he she is there with this guy and obviously uh we're going to see more what happens there in the future issue but i thought it was just a great heartbreaking grounded sort of way to get into like how this relationship change happened and i think we still have to find out why everyone on earth hates spider-man and maybe that's also where we're going to find out, because that's where Zeb Wells' run started. Everyone's mad at Spider-Man, and Mary Jane is uh, married with another guy, married to another guy.
2: Pete? All right, so this is very hard, because it's if I, this is just about before it's all going to go to shit. Uh, so it's just this magical moment where it's a sweet pocket, where you've got a Spider-Man story mm. that has him and Mary Jane in love, sacrificing for each other, And John Romita Jr. is doing the art. So it's a magical little pocket here before it all goes to shit. And just to mention,
0: when you're talking about a sweet pocket, you're talking about like a hot pocket with cake inside, right? That's right. Sweet
1: pocket, pocket. they say. yeah. And Uh, every relationship has a sweet pocket. I still remember mine with my wife.
2: Oh, man, there was that sweet pocket (laughs) I remember at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, I think it's one of those things where (laughs) – Uh, I don't want to keep going forward. I want to stay here, but this is uh, great art and and a fantastic story and what we love about Spider-Man and MJ and the reason that they are the best ship, Uh, you know, so um, it's going to be shitty and sad when we move on and find out some other bullshit story. But right now, it's just sweet. It's uh, it's Peter Parker and I'm Jay, together, willing to risk it all for each other, and it's a perfect scenario.
1: We're about to enter more of a savory pocket, where it's just it's less sweet, less cakey.
2: Yeah,
0: not for everybody. Wonder Woman number seven 790- hundred. Wait, you know what, Alex? What's your oh, take what? on this? Oh, I I have some reservations just in terms of the whole totem thing and Spider-Man dealing with gods That's and stuff fair. like that. Not really my thing. I like it when he is more dealing with realistic threats. Uh, There are stories that have made it work, and I do think the emotion is there and the tension is there. And like we've been talking about, John Reeder Jr., unimpeachable in terms of propulsive action in the art. So I like what they're doing here. It's just the tone. You hate totems.
1: The villain. You're a totem.
0: Yeah, the villain doesn't quite work for me. That's Just fair, and I agree. The that. villain
1: is a little under, under-baked, like uh, if you didn't put your Hot Pocket in mic- the microwave for long, Right,
0: oh, and it's still, like we talked about with the last issue, it depends a lot on, oh, you remember Amazing Spider-Man 535, right? That's one of your favorite issues. And it's not, <laughs> you know, I don't remember wow. any of this. Wow. So I can, so I can gather it, it, but I don't have the emotional resonance of what's going on here yet. Wonder Woman 797 from DC Comics, written by Becky Cluden, Michael W. Conrad, Josie Campbell, art by Amon K. Nahulpin and Caitlin Yarsky. If you haven't read Lazarus Planet Revenge of the Gods, number one, definitely check that out because it leads directly into this issue where Wonder Woman has been captured by Hera and the rest of the Wonder Squad, as I like to call them, is on the warpath. Oh, the Wonder The Wonder Squad. Squad. How are you guys feeling about this?
2: This uh, continues to be fantastic. Uh, the art, super tight bananas. Uh, uh, you get the squirrel is back, so that's great. I mean, there's a lot of cool action. We're moving the story forward. Uh, Wonder Woman is is doing great. I, I'm, I've been loving this. this Becky, Becky Cloonan is killing the game.
1: I, I mean, we've been really on board with this run. Um, I'm trying to think, because we, we got the announcement that Tom King is uh, taking over this book. And I feel like each of these issues that we have left are more and more precious and i I feel like we don't have that many left a handful um, no, we so, really
0: don't. It's a little bit of a bummer because they have been doing such a good job. obviously, I'm looking forward and curious to see what Tom King is going to do on it but
2: and then maybe back you' come back, hopefully, you know what I
0: mean I hope so, yeah. Earth Divers number six from IDW, written by Stephen Graham Jones, art by David Gianfelice. We'll definitely talk about spoilers for this one. So this is Earth Divers. Kill Columbus is the first arc of this book where they've gone back in time to try to kill Christopher Columbus to change the course of American history. Here's the big spoiler here. They kill Columbus. Got him. Uh, dude. Got
1: him. Don't spoil Got it, him. everybody. Got him. Oh, man. Uh, I was in Columbus circle today. And Mm the next statue's gone. Wow.
2: Wow.
0: I, not to make this a theme of the podcast, this was the hardest issue for me to hold on to in terms of jumping around in time. Really like the art here. I really like what's going on, but there's a lot of stuff, particularly in the future timeline, that I'm not 100% sure how it connects to everything else. And I think part of that is this is an ongoing series. We're going to see them jump to the American Revolution next. So there's still mysteries that need to be uh, dragged out. But the past timeline with Columbus stuff, really well done and very tense.
1: Yeah, the guy makes a sale out of some corpses. So that was uh, yeah, really reminiscent. Use, you, if you really. don't
2: have, uh, you know, sometimes you got to use skin. You know what I mean? You got to be... Yeah. When you're on the sea, you gotta No, no, yeah, I definitely. I made I, the game. that's where the expression the
0: skin in the game comes from. Oh, I don't think yeah, that's Yeah, I it at had all. to go
1: to a wedding, I didn't have a dress shirt, so skin shirt. That, there you go, skin smart. in the game,
2: man. Skin in the game, smart.
1: Uh, I agree with you, Alex. This was a little hard to under, but when you, you said got this starts was the,
2: the collar, though, that's the tough part. It's hard. Thing.
1: Well, you want to use some sort of the, uh, some really particular skin, like bottom of the foot skin, so you can really keep the, uh, oh, smart, yeah. So he's a that. stiffer skin, you know. Yeah, yeah. Who's sense. your skin tailor? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, who's your skin guy?
1: <laughs> yeah, so it takes a lot. Uh, but what I was saying, Alex, was this the hardest of this series for you to follow, or of all the books we've talked about? Because I think we had a lot of time no, no, jumping no. Of, of, this series, of this because series. Because I
0: think there's been a lot of uh, there was a lot of jumping around in terms of the timelines that happened here. Mm-hmm. That to me. When I got to the end of, they're like, next up, Earth Divers, American Revolution, or whatever they're calling that one. Yeah, that to me felt like, oh, okay, that explains it. They were holding on to some stuff. They were not putting everything on the table of this first series, which otherwise we've had two very straightforward stories being told with the future timeline and with this past timeline. Here, there was a lot of jumping around, and it was a little harder well, to follow.
1: And I wonder if we were reading the trade of this, if it would be a, there'd be a little more clarity because. It does feel like after uh, Columbus is killed, we jump forward and it's sort of like, ah, he, the stuff we thought was going to happen didn't happen. But it, it makes me not quite remember the details of what they were doing. It was, it was hard to sort of sew the whole thing together, I think, at the end. And maybe on a trade read, you might um, have it more, more present. That's fair.
2: I I just want to say I like the idea of this and I think the the execution is interesting and there's a lot of fun historical twists and things that we know that happen and then they're making different choices which is great and it's a fun idea to explore but I do agree with the Zalbatron where it is it bounces around so much it's hard to kind of like follow what's going on but I am excited because they are taking big swings uh, to kind of check out what happens next yeah
0: Let's talk about Vanish Number Five from Image Comics, written by Donny Cates, art by Ryan Stegman. In this issue, we get a classic: is he actually in an insane asylum? Is this actually happening
1: or not? And then we kind of speaking of jumping around,
2: another one that jumps around all
1: over the place. We're just bouncing around the room, right, guys? Uh, I mean, this was also this is done. Yep, this is done. Famous reference. That's for you, Pete, because I don't listen to those guys. Uh, but this was like done do famously, famously in the,
2: the specific lyric from a very famous in the song. television
1: show Moon Knight that we all are on board with, and no one would ever say anything mean about it. That's for sure. hundred yeah, uh, percent.
0: I I gotta say, I love Toddy Cates, love Ryan Stagman. I was a little disappointed in this. I particularly mm. because it's not just in Moon Knight. It's been in so many supernatural TV shows. We got it... Just off the top of my head, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We got a Penny Dreadful. I believe there was an episode of Lost that did it as well. There's been multiple mm. shows that have done this thing. We're like, is this character actually in an insane asylum? And you have a character's doctor saying, "Is it crazier that you are a magic dude who is killing all these other dudes, or that you're in an insane asylum the entire their entire time?" And Danny Cates is a smart enough writer that. I wish he had poked holes in that trope a little bit instead of leaning into that trope. So that was a bit of a bummer to me. But Ryan segments aren't always good. I still like the classic 90s image comic style of this comic book. So I'm not out or anything, but I wanted a, more of a level of meta-awareness of what was going on.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I will say I thought this was a well-done version of it. This was one where Mm -hmm. it was actually hard to tell which is real. I feel like in a lot of the sort of cliches of this, you're like, well, the fun one is the real one. The Insane Asylum is not the real one. But in this, this one is written and and drawn in a way where you're like, "Ah, I really could be either here. And honestly, I don't. We get sort of a reveal, but I sort of doubted the reveal a little bit because they really leaned into the Insane Asylum.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the tropes you forgot to talk about is the, uh, you know, anytime you're in a cellular asylum, you're hoping the A team's going to show up and break out the, you know, one member so they can start fighting. Uh, that's injustice. a classic
1: trope. And who, classic who's trope. in it? Howling Mad Murdoch is locked in?
2: Yeah, that's right. You're goddamn right. Yeah.
1: It's right in the name. Yep. And they trick him into drinking milk.
2: Well, they trick Mister T into flying because he hates flying. But they, he does. A of,
1: but they put stuff. They put a drug in his milk. Yeah, because yeah. he loves milk, but he hates flying.
2: Well, of course, it does the body good. I mean, what are we doing here? And the face
1: is really good looking.
2: <laughs> that's right. That's right. I oh, go man. through the whole thing.
1: Uh, but yeah, the cigar, I, the cigar <laughs> guy's like, I gotta, to have a cigar. Terrible.
2: Yeah, yeah, he loves it when a yeah. plan comes together. If we uh, get uh, oh
1: man. <laughs> And then there's a woman who's there sometimes, and she doesn't say or do much.
2: Hey, come on, let's not undercut her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh,
1: I think know, the writers does. of A Team did all the oh, undercutting man.
2: there. That's that's
1: that's fair, Alex. It's yeah. a matter yeah. why you put it on the hat. Yeah. I don't
2: know. Uh, anyways, doing something. Uh, you're talking about A Team. Yeah. Anyways, I, oh, I do think oh, this is great, but me. it does jump around a lot. Um. So it's enjoyable though. <laughs> Can't believe that happened.
1: What happened? This is well, too complicated.
2: Do I really need? Uh, should I explain no, a very
0: no. long, complicated thing on the podcast? No, nope. no, we don't have time. It's that. actually very short, and you're going to be grossed out. Are you ready? Nope. Yep. Okay. So my oldest kid, who is 13, had a one remaining baby tooth that was not coming out. It was pulled the other day, and at the end, they were like, "Hey, do you want to take the tooth out?" And she was like, no, I don't want to take the tooth home. And they're like, okay, sounds good. And then the guy came back a minute later and was like, well, here's your tooth in a tiny little chest and handed it. And we are like, what? What? Okay, fine, we'll take it home. And we, I decided to show it to my wife. And now, because nobody wants this tooth over the past week, my wife and I keep hiding the tooth in different places where we can find it. Where uh, And I can't believe she hid <laughs> she it under that hat. In the little treasure chest.
1: Good gotcha. hiding. Uh, nice, Oh, nice. Yeah. We own. do that with other parts of our bodies in my house, too. We hide them. In other <laughs> other <laughs> I know that's a
0: weird, messed up thing. I'm sorry. Little no,
1: scabs. We hide our scabs. I'm very impressive. Because I never
0: would have taken
2: that hat down, other than. You know what's crazy is after you tell you guys us, talk about this. It uh, it seems like we got the wrong person we're talking to. You know what I mean? It seems like that Marnie is of real creative hoot, and it would be fun to try. Sure to. Why don't we talk about another? Oh, real creative quick, could,
1: just best. an editing note. Let's. Um, I know we usually would say like edit that out. I think that's the part <laughs> we keep, and we edit out all the reviews.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> keep Swamp people thing.
0: guessing. Swamp Thing, Swamp Thing, Swamp <laughs> Green Hell number three from DC Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Doug Baggie and Sean Mole. This is a post apocalyptic. Old Man Swamp Thing World, but it's also a little bit more of old man Justice League Dark, because we got Constantine in mm. here. We got a new Come Ant- on. and some other stuff. So they're all fighting against the end of the world. Um gross, gross, appropriately gross horror book,
2: I think. Yeah. Intense great. Uh, covers, very intense covers. Loved all the Constantine stuff. Uh but yeah, you know, Lemire does uh it does some creepy work, so
1: this is a, a great read, great, like just a- absolute end of the world, something Jeff Lemire has written a ton of across a lot of his different work from Sweet Tooth all the way to uh, this very book. Yeah. the uh, and So it's a good story, and we pin a lot of it um, uh, on a, a father and daughter in a nice way. I thought this was definitely a good short little three-issue read. Great. Good stuff. Damn them cheese balls.
0: Damn number six plots. from IDW, written by Simon Come on, Spurrier. say the real one. Damn them all, number six. There written by Sp- Simon Spurrier, art by Charlie Adlard. This is a all-out magic battle happening in London,
2: I believe. Pete, what would you think about this? Uh, this continues to be great. We got a lot of answers in this issue. Uh, new deals are made. Art is super tight bananas. This is very fun, enjoyable shit.
1: Of the books that are coming out currently where demons are trapped in coins, this Mm -hmm. is uh, the the one I like better, I think. Uh, I like them both, but this one, like, I like sort of the fairy British language that is used in here. The characters uh, seem very lived in and real. And I don't, we've had a little bit of a twist that I won't say at the end of this that I think is going to turn us into a whole new direction.
0: Absolutely. Torrent, number two, from Image Comics, written by Mark Guggenheim, art by Justin Greenwood. So in the first issue of this book, we met a new superhero who was targeted by her arch enemy. Her arch enemy killed her husband in front of her after finding out her identity, took her son hostage and brought him to his stronghold. And this issue, we go in some surprising directions. I kind of expected it would be like a raid... Die hard type thing over the course of the Mm. series. That's not the direction it goes in. It goes in entirely different directions in this issue. And we get a tease. It's going to continue to go in different directions in the next issue. I was on board from the first issue, but given all these twists, I'm all in now. What about you guys? Oh,
1: interesting. I agree. I like uh, the twist here. And you know what this reminds me of? This is like a grown up kick ass Mm-hmm. is that an mm-hmm. apt comparison like it feels yeah
0: we mentioned that with the first issue I think you weren't here but oh, nice. yes
1: 100% well I thought I was really on it with that one but I guess we're all the same the <laughs> three of us
0: Pete mentioned yeah. it last time Yeah, I sure did.
1: me and Pete have never been off the same page, <laughs> La page. oh wow <laughs> yeah. we're Anyways. always on the page
2: uh, yeah I just think that this uh, does take some interesting twi- twists which is very enjoyable um Uh, You know, and it's also kind of a thing that you don't expect to see ever. So I don't really want to give it away. But the thing, the move she does at the end is like, wow. So uh, interesting to see where it goes from there. Yeah, I know we're dancing around spoilers, but I think ultimately this is Mark
0: Guggenheim writing at the top of his intelligence. And I mean that Mm. legitimately in a complimentary way where it's. Not taking the easy way out of, okay, now she's going to fight her way up a tower for the next five issues. Instead, we get that out of the way of this issue, and then we move on to other things, which is harder to write, more challenging, but ultimately more interesting. GCPD, The Blue Wall, number six from DC Comics, written by John Ridley, art by Stefano Raphael. This is the final issue of the series, which has followed a bunch of rookie cops in Gotham. One of them has gone over the edge and is killing a bunch of other cops because of his treatment. Renee Montoya is directly going for him in this issue and dealing with some stuff herself, as well as the systemic problems that are happening in the GCPD. I was very iffy and very thrown about the direction in the last issue, but how do you all think this wrapped up? Good night, Pete. Oh, thanks. Uh,
1: I like the way this book ended. I agree. It was this book sort of touched a lot of uh, edgier issues and sort of treated them sort of in your face, like not didn't sort of sugarcoat them at all. And really just ran at them hard, let let the characters do bad things across the board to themselves and others. So it was a it was a raw read, I think, but I like the way it ended. I really like Renee Montoya. Great character that I wish we saw more of across all of DC comics, even though she's sometimes the question and sometimes not. Uh in this case not. I like the way they talk about how Batman is bad for Gotham in this, uh in a good way, in an interesting way, that is. And just a great, gritty, sort of grounded-in-reality uh, story about uh, hard hard things, hard choices that, that police have to make here.
2: Yeah, this is tough because uh, obviously we're talking about uh, police and, um, you know, there's a lot of feelings around police brutality and all sorts of uh, uh, hot topics. So the problem is we had this interesting kind of setup. And of Hot Pockets. Yep. Great. Thank you. Uh, We had this kind of Ah, interesting. We had this interesting kind of setup for the story. And I was hoping for something. uh, I don't know. Maybe that was going to say something or be something bigger. But at the end of the day, it was just kind of like, this is a fucking shitty system that will chew people up and spit them out. And life is fucking really hard. So I was kind of like, oh, all right. Well, I knew that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I did appreciate, like Justin was saying, that they didn't shy away from some things, lean into them. Uh, but I was hoping for a, a little bit, maybe – Uh, different choices or something other than the reality of the shitty world that we actually live in. Um, Well, I, I, I don't think not to interrupt you, Pete, and I know you're not saying
0: this, but I don't think we're going to get solutions for police brutality and systemic racism in a comic book. I think the idea here, if anything, was to present these ideas to comic book readers through the lens of Gotham City. The question in my mind is whether it was successful. And I think Maybe, maybe not. And part of the reason I say maybe not is how thrown I was by the fourth and fifth issues that took this turn into this kid essentially becoming Punisher because of racism, which just did not work for me. It was was too much of a turn. It was too much of a turn into like both – Hardcore realism and comic book surrealism at the same time, which just jit gel. And I agree with you. I think this last issue on its own was a good Renee Montoya story, but I don't know, to the point that you're making, Pete, that it felt worthwhile or went far enough based on how far they went to the previous issues. So overall, I think a worthwhile series and a well-meaning series that didn't quite work across the board.
1: Yeah. Um, I have a completely unrelated question for you, Alex. Um, uh, for a while, we've talked about, we talked about the flash one minute war and then the last three or four stacks, it hasn't been here. Now, are, have you have. stopped reading it um, or are you trying to not talk about it with us? Cause we kept saying how the flash is fast.
0: Tower number two from A Wave Blue (laughs) World, written by Cameron Johnson and Kelsey Barnard, art by Chris Cross. This is taking place in a world where there is a very realistic video game that a bunch of folks have been sucked into. And a surprise twist in this issue, we immediately get to see the world outside of this game and some people who are controlling it, something I was not expecting at all to happen. And we get a lot more fights. I know we're- yeah take it away plus the punisher hawk that shows up there was in fact a a hawk with a skull symbol on its chest i uh, i'm curious to hear what you guys
2: think about this one because i know we're intrigued
0: by the first issue how do you think it was followed up on in the second issue
2: Well, I I still don't exactly know all the things that are happening, but uh, as a fan of the Punisher, I thought a hulk with a skull on his chest was pretty cool. So I was like, well, I'll I'll stick around for another one and hopefully get some more answers. Just a real quick question. Do you think a Punisher bird would punish bird crimes
0: or would he help out the Punisher to punish human crimes? Yeah, exactly. I
2: think a little from column A, a little from column B, hopefully. You know what I mean?
1: Would okay. then he, the Punisher bird have to be like, hey, Frank, can we go do some bird crimes now? Because we've, we've killed a lot of human criminals. But like you haven't really been focusing on the birds that I'm here for.
2: Well, hopefully if Frank's working with a Punisher hawk, he would, you know, uh, assist in, you know, their community as well, you know.
1: So if you saw an issue where the Punisher's just killing birds, you'd be like, about time. About time, <laughs> about time,
2: about fucking time! Right. This bird population is getting out of hand.
1: That's true. Yeah, I know. And his family was killed by other owl mobsters, right? <laughs> Came through and killed them. And there, but there was an underlying yeah. issue that he had from. He was fighting in the
0: trees him. of the park, and a couple of uh, stray bullets killed his family. S- they were stray bullets. Out- S- yeah, shout were- out to <laughs> stray bullies. Shout out to stray bullies. Uh, they were having a worm picnic. <laughs>
1: And uh, his whole oh, family boy. died. And hey, the thing with the worm picnic is you got to eat them fast because they're trying to they're going to try to get back in the ground. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And you're eating them.
0: Yeah, and if you only eat half, you got another worm baby.
1: <laughs> you got to give it time though. You got to yeah. let it grow. Yes. Or was that a line you were using if you're trying to pick up a bird? If you're trying to like, flirt <laughs> with a bird.
0: Hey man, you know me. I'm always going to the park and flirting with birds. Are we talking about Tower Number Two? What did you think about that book? We so sure this. Are.
1: This, this comic, uh, I don't quite understand how the world works. Mm-hmm. And this feels, we, we talked about some other books that are like, oh, this feels like it is um, spring, it sprung out of Squid Game. This feels the most like it sprung out of Squid Game. And just like, but what if it was a little more video gamey than maybe you think it would be? And that's where we are, but I I just don't quite understand the mechanics of it in reading this. And uh, but it's the art is interesting and the action is good, so I like maybe it, another it uh, issue. I'll
0: throw out I like it on an individual panel by panel basis, but I don't think the ina- action connects very well. And there's a couple of too many things going on with the storyline to completely follow what's happening, but. I don't know. I'm still intrigued by it. I feel like as they whittle down the amount of people that are in this game, it might be a little easier to follow. So I'm still mm. curious to check out the third issue.
1: Speaking yeah. of third issue, I guess well, I would say I would say the Flash is very fast.
0: Mm. Infernal Girl <laughs> Red, number three from Image Comics, written by Matt Groom, art by Erica Durso. This is the, the final issue of this part of Infernal Girl Red, though she will be back. Uh, we finally get her... Um, inhabiting all of her power, fighting against this dude who has stolen the university she was going to from Earth and put it into space. Um, One of the things that I loved about this book, though they're not very explicit about it, is it's clearly teeing up some big things for the massive verse big mythology things that are going on both with infertile red and the enemy that everybody is seemingly going to be fighting in the massive verse if you're wondering what the stakes are here i think it lays those out pretty cleanly and also it gives a really tragic origin
2: story for infertile red yeah. yeah yeah exactly it was very emotional it was very really- Anytime- good I was just going to say, it, uh, you know, love the emotional kind of story. I loved all the uh, dragon action we got in this. There's a cool anime feel to the art style. Uh, I, I am having a blast with this.
1: The uh, anytime I read a massive book and I'm like, how do all these books just really do it? And I'm trying to crack the code and I feel like it has something to do with just a a the the guardrails are up on what type of story we're telling here it's like straight superhero action maybe inspired by uh, some video game logic and pacing where it's just like you're thrown into it the superpowers in the power sets are pretty well defined in all these books across the board same here and then adding in like great emotional moments like we get at the end of this and just nice characters that talk to each other pretty clearly. Uh so it's just that to boil all that down, it's like just good comic storytelling is making every massive book good. Am I a genius for saying that? No. No, no I'm not. No,
0: no. you're not. Deceased War of the Undead Gods, number seven from D.C. Comics, <laughs> written by Tom Taylor, art by Trevor Harrison and Luca Meyer. In this issue, Alfred, who is now the Spectre, goes back to Earth, gets the cure for the zombie virus, something that they confusingly have not brought with them, despite the fact that they're dealing with I the zombie virus. I would have brought it. Right?
1: I would have packed it. You know when you're packing for a trip and you're like, I'm not going to need all this zombie yep. cure. <laughs> and then you're like, no, we, that's the one thing we needed. Oh,
2: it's- my God, I forgot it. Oh, uh, the one thing I needed, we didn't pack it. That I didn't bring my, my
0: skis with the to issue. the ski trip. I mean- I'm enjoying this series, but the entire issue, I was like, why do they not have any zombie cure on them when they know that zombies are a problem? And then Alfred is like, I gotta go to Earth, and he comes back from Earth and he's like, Guess what I got? Zombie cure. And they're like, Ah, oh, thanks, Alfred. Great job. Smile, Alfred. It's Smile. like his uh, version of superpowered cucumber sandwiches.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's buttling. He's just very he's buttling on a very large scale. About cosmic <laughs> He brings yeah. cosmic cosmic butler. Uh hello, spin off, let's go.
2: Uh, great, great time that. Why don't we move
0: on to the next
1: part? Uh, yeah,
2: no, I think that uh, this is just crazy stuff. I love the cyborg moment where he's like, I have all of Brittany X powers is crazy. Amazing last panel. Yeah, I, I think this is just a blast.
1: Great horror moment when Damien gets infected with the anti-life. Uh, I thought that was awesome and scary. In general, I've loved this. I want more of this and DC versus vampires all day.
0: Immortal Sergeant Number 3 from Image Comics, written by Joe Kelly, art by Ken Nomura. This is about a cranky, racist, old sergeant who is about to retire. He has been teamed up with his totally liberal soy boy son, (laughs) who he's taken around to a bunch of bars. But we get a reveal of what the actual plot is finally in this issue. Pete, uh, you're digging this, so...
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, maybe I relate to it because my father is a ridiculous human being. and uh, But I just think it's one of those things where uh, this is a fun kind of odd couple scenario just kind of turned up to 11 where, uh, you know, the old guy is right and also uh, kind of like – has a plan, and this young guy's kind of got to play along with all this madness. And there's a lot of over the top action, but also Joe Kelly does a good job of balancing some humor in there. And you're kind of laughing at the ridiculousness of it all.
1: Yeah, this book is wild. Really key keeps catching me off guard with the choices that are made. And it it feels really original. The art is uh, totally works and is uh, really interesting. The, I find it interesting, Pete, that you identify with the the son in this um, Mm -hmm. as, as our resident curmudgeon. Like it uh, feels like you could identify with both characters. Maybe.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It does uh, feel that way. Thank you for pointing that out. Also, the art is just crazy type bananas. Superman number two from
0: DC Comics, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Jamal Campbell. In this issue, Superman is fighting against an army of parasites who are taking over Metropolis. Lex Luthor is buzzing in his ear, trying to get the team up together. And Superman, of course, doesn't want to do it. I really dug the first issue of this, and I really like the second issue of this as well. This is an exciting, propulsive
1: Superman story. It's like almost like a horror take on Superman. The, the The art is much darker and moodier than a lot of other Superman books. And the, what happens is scary uh, throughout, except for the like three or four pages where Superman meets a new character who is it's like a crazy introduction where it's like, who are you? Uh, here's a bunch of information about me and I'll say my name right as I leave.
2: Uh, yeah, I I've, I love the art on this. I feel like it's a fun, kind of cool, clean take on Superman. Uh, the, yeah, this was a blast. Loving the story, I like this kind of whole uh, Superman-Lex Luthor back and forth here in this.
1: And for my recipe, I guess it's going to be Superman Supermanicotti. And what you're going to do is you're going to take red <laughs> kryptonite <laughs> and... Okay, Don't one,
0: interrupt two. him. Keep going, Justin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you know I ran out of gas right after I said Supermanicati. <laughs> you
0: if you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, as well as our recipe blog, patreon.com slash comic book club. Uh, also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to cra- Not broadcast Facebook and YouTube. Come uh, check it out. Rip Crowdcast. We would love to talk to you about comic books. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop.
1: That was really fun. I guess we'll call it Comic Book Club's One Bad Day. Mm. Sweet.